Earth podcast with your host, Jake Weaver, engineered by Cedric Swan. Hey, everybody, we are back with another episode of Midnight on Earth. I'm your host, Jake Weaver, and we are here to bring you more knowledge more light, and more love. Well, speaking of love, we have one of the most loving people I've ever met in my life on the show. An incredible human being. We have Cappy Franti here. And he's a musician. He's an artist. He has so much going on. He's a teacher now. He's teaching yoga. Incredible human being. We're going to talk to him in just a second. But first, I need you to do something for me. Follow me on Instagram at midnight underscore on underscore earth. That is the address. You can follow me there. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you go to get your podcasts. Click that button that connects us so you know exactly what is going on when it happens. When people like Cappy Franci come on the show, you get a notification on your device or whatever. Perhaps you're listening to this in the future. You get the notification to your brain chip. I don't know, but that happens. Hopefully it still happens. Hopefully I'm still here. And lastly, please tell a friend, tell someone that you know that loves these type of podcasts, that loves the topics that we cover. Bring them here. You know them. They're your friends, your family, your coworkers. Again, bring them here. Midnight on Earth. Dot com. Okay, so we're just about to talk to Cappy. You're going to love this guy. He's amazing. But I got to read his bio. So here we go. Cappy Franti is a musician, artist, and yoga teacher. While on the path blazing his own trail, he is the son of legendary musician Michael Franti, who was one of the main forces advancing the conscious music movement in both the underground and mainstream worlds. Cappy's most recent musical works, including Brand New Dimension and Whole Nother Level, showcase his multidimensional lyrical ability in addition to integrating the most current sounds. And he's here with us right now. Hello, Cappy. How are you, my friend? What's up? What's up, Jay? <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show. I, I'm very happy to introduce you to our audience uh, of 165 countries now. So there you go. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, I love your intro music, man. I felt like I was like at a rave with Mulder and Scully from the X Files. You know, it's the future. We're trying to capture a lot of different vibes, and that seems yeah. to speak to the topics, to the energy, to the bandwidth of things that we cover on the show. Yes, I love it as well. That was actually composed by Cedric Swan and myself. We worked together on that, and I just kind of said, hey, let's do a lo-fi, X-Filey, kind of with a little bit up-tempo, like totally abstract terms, and uh, that's kind of what he came up with. So there you go. Yep, and me and Cedric have a song coming out pretty soon, Brand New Dimension, so. Yes. That'll that'll be, that's super dope. I can't wait for everybody to hear that. Yeah, it's going to be incredible. So, okay, so you're here. Look, 
Cappy, I want to know about your life. You're going to tell us about your life, your music, everything. I want to know your story. I want to know how you got to this point in your life. So tell me, you're growing up, you're the son of a musician who's trying very hard in his life at that stage of his life to be successful. What was that like? Tell me about that. Um, wow. Well, uh, my dad was on, as far as for me, um, my dad was on the road a lot. I spent a lot of time in the studio with him. Um, and, um, you know, when I was, when he was on the road, I was usually with my mom. So, um, but he did take me on a cup on like four or five tours. Um, and I was the, um, I was the water and, uh, and towel technician. <laughs> so I'd bring the water and towels to the stage and, and I would be up on the bus, you know, playing dominoes till three or four in the morning and, you know, just having a blast. And, um, I went to Italy, which was incredible. And, um, Australia and all across the United States. So, um, I got some cool touring, but, um, growing up, I was never really like getting involved in the music aspect of it, you know? Um, and I was always, you know, wanting to find my own identity and not be, um, you know, everybody be like, Oh, aren't you going to do music or whatever? And be like, no, I'm, I'm into my own thing. I, I was really more into visual art. Um, and so that was really my thing for a long time growing up. Um, but, but yeah, I was, uh, it was, it was amazing. I got to see, you know, some different parts of the world and, and, um, be in the studio and see my dad making a lot of the albums and, you know, so I'm sure that was amazing, but what was it like being around the energy of not just creative people, but conscious people? Because, your dad's music does kind of show up in a lot of different places. He had a lot of different projects over the years, but there was always this undertone of like positivity, consciousness, and just intelligence. And you were growing up around that. Like, what was it like to have that type of energy around you? That um, definitely informed the way I feel about the world a lot. Um, up to this day, I mean, um, my dad made a song back in, I think it was either the early two thousands or the nineties called, um, do you love? And it's all about, um, and it says like, it's not about who you love. Nah, nah. It's all about, do you love, do you love, do you love? And, um, that song was about basically that everyone has the right to love whoever they want to love. And what, you know, whatever you do in your bedroom is, is like no one else's business to tell you what to do or not. Like as long as obviously it's with, you know, two adults that are in love with each other. Like, and so it was really kind of like, um, speaking to, to gay rights, but in a more personal way. And, um, my aunt is, is gay and I was always growing up around and, and, um, I think there was somebody on that, that album that sang who was transsexual also. And so I grew up, um, you know, 
very, uh, in a way of like acceptance and love to all kinds of people. And, and like the, the difference, the differences are what really makes us beautiful, you know? And, um, so that kind of consciousness is something that still, still has a big impact on me. And I feel like, um, my dad, especially in the hip hop world, was was ahead of the times in a lot of ways. In that way, oh, definitely. There's no doubt, and that's the thing. So, in a way, you were more advanced growing up because, for a lot of people, for millions of people around the world that grew up maybe in a more constricted situation or perhaps a more oppressive situation, just how people thought about things and the family life and the paradigm they lived in you were kind of living in that cutting edge area because you know, your family, your dad, they, he was blazing a trail and you were along with that, with a developing mind and spirit, which is kind of cool because you got a, you got the best information right at the right time. Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, when I was growing up, it was still like, you know, going to school, there was a lot of kids that would, you know, oh, you're gay or this or that. That was still a thing, you know. And um, and so I always felt like um, like I would always say something when I heard people say that because I had grown up with an, an aunt who's gay and I had been around my dad, you know, making songs like that one. And, and so it definitely, you know, influenced me instead of just going with the crowd or going with what everybody was saying, you know to, to kind of, um, be an individual and, and stand up for what I really feel, you know, and what I know. And I was blessed and, you know, like a lot of people, it's just, it's not their fault, how they feel, it's how they've been raised. And so, um, I definitely feel really blessed to have been raised in that kind of environment, you know, um, it's a loving environment. It was love. It was that love energy. Yeah. And, and, you know, my my dad's father is black and his mom is white and um and my mom is white and my dad is obviously mixed so um growing up um in also in the barrier which is very you know multicultural and racially mixed and you know all in my <clears throat> classes growing up in elementary and middle school there's every different race of kid and different type of kid and um yeah that's it's it's really a blessing you know to, to grow up in these times that i have but i it kind of uh it kind of scares me that we're kind of moving backwards i feel like at least politically right now um there's like a pushback against that way of life you know so i'm i'm hoping with my music to continue to spread that message of love and acceptance and unity and um you know keep keep pushing us forward as far as letting people be who they want to be and like i think the most important thing is you know not somebody's race or sexual preference or if they want to identify as a man or woman but the most important thing is is that person happy in their life are they feeling good are they loved are they taking care of, do they have a house? Do they have food to eat? Like, and I think those are the things that we should focus on, you know, is how, how we can nurture people, how we can be there for people and, 
and let people be their full true expression. And the interesting thing is like that, you know, a lot of people say like America land of the free, you know, and like, but then when people do really want to be free about who their sexual partner is or what their gender is expression or what, you know, who they want to love, if they want to be in a relationship with somebody in a different race, then a lot of times those same people that say land of the free are, you know, trying to control those people and put those people down. And, um, and so that's something that, um, I believe strongly in is, is that we should all have freedom to be who we want to be without repression or oppression. Of course. I mean, that is the true human experience. That's the loving experience. If we're living in a high frequency as humans, then we're going to be focused on love and all of that stuff falls by the wayside. Like there's no judgment on that level with infinite love. If you, if you can really perceive it that way. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And, and you know, like, I think it's also important to meet people where they're at because, you know, and, and give people space and room to grow because a lot of people grew up in environments where, you know, maybe their parent would beat them if they thought a certain way or if they acted a certain way or, you know, and maybe they internalized. I'm just throwing things out. Not no, that's, exactly. I mean, that's a very real like, scenario that's been expressed by many people but, over the years. That, that, that definitely happened. In a different situation and internalized different things growing up. And so, you know, we're all learning. Nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect either. We're all growing and learning and changing. And we all need that space, I think, to to be able to you know, make mistakes and and still, you know, um, and be able to grow without being completely like this person is just completely horrible because they made one mistake type thing, you know? Yes, very much so. And I mean, but did you ever feel though in your life, Cappy, that, that you had a calling? Did you feel that extra energy when you were younger that maybe that, that you were special in that way? Um, in what, in what way do you mean? Like, because you're such a high frequency person, like, you know, when I talk to you and I'm around you, you're a very loving guy. So it seems like like almost you were born that way, which would mean to me that you came into this world as a high frequency being. So did you ever feel a spiritual calling that you were destined for something big in your life when you were younger? Did you ever pick up on those things? Yeah, I, um, I feel like when I was young, you know, I was just always kind of just living my life, you know, having my friends and doing my thing. Um, I think as I've gotten older, I've felt that more, especially, you know, coming, I'm 35 now, like coming into adulthood and everything. I feel more of a responsibility to, um, to uphold the values in the world that I want to see and to be a voice for that. And to, you know, it's like, if we're not going to do it, then who is? type of thing you know what I mean (laughs) exactly I know that feeling like when you're a kid you're just doing your thing and you're you're having fun and you know and but then as you step into you know okay we are now kind of the in the leadership role of of the planet you know 
um, where like, you know, the younger generations look up to us in a certain way. Um, and so it, I do kind of, you know, now more feel that, that like, you know, I, I want to put music and art and energy and events, um, into the world that will create healing and create change and, and help the world to come together, you know, because there's a lot of forces that of people that are, you know, um, just out to try to divide people and, and then make a profit off that, you know? Yes. So they feed I, off I, that. Do, I do feel that now. And I do think also that, everyone has a purpose, you know, and everybody has a higher calling. And so, so yeah, sorry to, sorry to cut you off there. <laughs> no, no, Cavi, it's totally fine. Um, you know, we're just having an incredible conversation. It's just that it just seems like, yes, we're all here for a purpose, but there are the leaders. There are the people that were sent here to activate other humans in their own way for whatever that means. I actually don't really know what that means, but I just know that it seems that way for the leadership humans that are here right now. Yeah. I think, I think definitely like if you're, if you were blessed to grow up in, um, in a way where you're able to have, have that voice and have, have an impact. then I think that, you know, I think that it is, um, it is like a responsibility to, to speak up and use that voice and use that platform. And, and, um, and so, yeah, I mean, being the, the son of, you know, my dad and growing up in the environment that I did, I, I do have access to, opportunities that other people might not have, you know? So I do, I do feel that in a way. And I, I feel that, um, you know, everybody has their purpose and, and my, my purpose is kind of driven through creativity, um, through music and, and self-expression and art and also through, um, through yoga and meditation and philosophy of that. So. But when you were younger though, like you said earlier, you really did, not want to do music. You wanted to be an artist and you stepped into the world of graffiti art. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, um, uh, man, graffiti was just such a magical world for me when I, when I was coming into my early teens. Um, and, uh, we moved to the city, started going to high school in San Francisco and uh, I started noticing tags around the city and it was just so cool to me that like the mystery of it, you know, you see these people's art all over the city and you're like, wow, who is that? Who's doing this? And, and, you know, it was kind of like, uh, it, it was magical to me, you know, like, um, and these things just appear like, you know, beautiful piece of art just appears on the wall and the day before it wasn't there and the person they're not asking for money for it. They're not even trying to take credit for it. It's just like a pure offering, you know, that's how I saw it. And I know that for a lot of people, it, they see it as like a criminal activity or, you know, a bad thing. But for me, um, I felt like it's, 
a part of the culture of, of being in a city. Every city has graffiti art. And it was a part of growing up for, and a part of like, I think we all want to be seen in our environment. And, um, you know, companies can pay millions of dollars to, to be seen and put a billboard up or to buy this big building or to have their name embossed on the outside of wherever. And um, I think, you know, as, as youth growing up in the city, like we wanted to see something of us in the city reflected, you know? And so um, that was, that was our thing, you know, was putting art out there. And, um, and so, yeah, it was, I, I, a lot of people that, you know, started out tagging or doing graffiti or whatever have, have ended up, um, becoming incredible artists and incredible human beings. And, um, so yeah, it was, uh, and then just the aspect of, you know, going out late at night with your friends and, and, you know, the bonding of it. And, and, um, so I got in trouble quite a few times, you know, (laughs) Okay. ended up, ended up in jail a few times and, and, um, in jail, did you just say in jail? Like for how long, like the night, like they throw you in the, like the drunk tank or something or what happens there? Oh, like for like the weekend. Oh, nice. (laughs) You get arrested on a Friday. Um, you end up, you, they can't see you in the court. The courts can't open till Monday, so you end up there uh, over the weekend. But one thing that also is interesting about it is like you just you see a different side of life. You know, um, being out late at night, you see more of um, you know people yeah. that are struggling or people that are um, you know going through things on the streets or. Um, just different interesting characters and cool people you meet. And so it just gives you a different kind of perspective on things, you know? Oh, definitely. And how far did you go with it? I mean, it seems like you were out there for years. Did you get really good? What do you think about that? Um, yeah, uh, I, I was, I was really into it, probably into my early twenties. Um, I, you know, I moved to New York and I, when I was in New York, I like, went full time with it. I, I actually lived in a library for uh, like six months and pretty much just ate, slept, slept and drank graffiti, so to speak or whatever. And, um, basically I would just be out every night. And then during the day I would be just sketching and drawing like all day, every day. So, um, yeah, I kind of did a whole, whole wild adventure in New York and, and, um, so, oh yeah. And I saw this movie style wars. That was another big thing. Style wars. It was a movie about style wars. It was a movie about, um, New York graffiti in the eighties, a documentary. And that was really, really influential to me. But, but yeah, I mean, the people that I met are still like, some of my best friends to this day and I mean it takes like a really certain special type of person to want to risk being in jail risk um, 
you know, so much different stuff, even and not even to get paid for it, to go out and just produce this artwork for free, you know, um, which I, which I think is, um, you just have to have a really strong heart for that. I've seen incredible so, artistic pieces that are masterpiece level with graffiti. Yeah. Art. Yeah, exactly. 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 So, so yeah. Um, huh. So you moved away from that though. At some point in your life, you decided to kind of move away and get back into music. Tell me about that phase of your life. Yeah. So, um, I, I made a friend, uh, I went out to New York and I made a friend, this guy, Elsie, and he started putting on music festivals. And so I was doing the art for the music festivals. Um, so I was, we made this big thing called like the graffiti maze. And it was like a big maze made out of plywood where we had graffiti pieces painted all on the inside. And then we also had paint, um, like not spray paint, but just regular paint for everyone at the festival to paint, uh, the walls of the maze. And, um, so there was, you know, kids and parents painting like murals together. They created from their imagination and, um, all kinds of people just get, got together and, you know, whatever idea they wanted to paint on the walls of the maze they did. And, um, and so you'd walk through and then in every different room, there'd be a different piece that you'd see, you know? And so that was, that was really cool. And, um, I did that for a while and we did a few different music festivals together. And then through being around music, um, through being in that scene and just kind of like being around a lot of of the different artists backstage since I was part of putting on the festival and everything and promoting it, just started getting into, you know, um, different freestyle sessions and then eventually, you know, getting, meeting different producers and getting in the studio and it just kind of naturally just happens, you know? So, um, so that was how that, that kind of came about. So that activated your inner musician. Like you were around it, you were in the studios, you kind of went away from it for a while but it came back into your life. It just happened. It seemed like, so you were naturally meant to do that. You just had to do it your own way. It seems like. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And finding, you know, having like close friends that were, were into writing lyrics and into writing stuff that had a message and a meaning. So yeah, like uh, I was around, like, for example, like Karis one was at a couple of those music festivals um, this artist named Radioactive, who was, um, used to be a member of Spearhead, a beatboxer. Oh, yeah. Okay, now that I think about it, so before I even started rapping, I really started beatboxing. Oh, really? Okay. So, so now that I'm remembering, Elsie was really into rapping, and so I would always beatbox. And, um, I had always thought, you know, what, what Radioactive did was super cool. Oh, definitely. Uh, with beatboxing and so I had been around it and I was like man beatboxing is the coolest thing man so I just started getting into beatboxing all the time before I was even writing that was the first my first like musical love really was beatboxing and um and so yeah and then from there um eventually I ended up in the studio 
and my friend was there. My friend LC was there recording. We were with this other guy, Tony, um, DJ Sat in in uh, Philly, and you know they were playing beats and stuff. And so I was like, well, you know what? Let me let me start writing something. You know, and um, I just got inspired, and and you know, and it kind of just developed from there. So. Wow. Well, I mean, your lyrics are amazing. Did you notice right away that you had a talent for writing really special and powerful lyrics? I did. Yeah, I did feel that like it seemed like when I was putting words together and putting things together, like I just loved it and I wanted to keep doing it. And and things I found it just so cool how how things can fit together and and the whole message and everything, too. So, well, you're really um, good at distilling high frequency concepts, like really big concepts down to just a verse. And then in that verse, you, you grasp this really powerful thing that you're trying to say as you flow through the song. I feel like that's really one of your greatest uh, superpowers. You could say. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I'm, I'm hoping to do, you know, is, is to, um, let people groove to the music and then turn them on to, um, some, some different ways of looking at things or, or open up their minds to some different, um, concepts. You know, well, it's just very deep what you tap into. And it seems like as a human being with a successful musical parents, you, you would want to do things on your own. And it seems like you're, strategy has been to just do it without any help like really just doing it as a grassroots build from square zero experience uh-huh yeah yeah um yeah you know it's 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 interesting i've 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 been making music for the love of it but i haven't really so far, like haven't considered it like, okay, this is my thing. I need to go all in and like, you know, blow up with this. It's kind of been just kind of like a, a labor of love type of thing. You know, I have a lot of songs that I haven't released that I'm really excited about that are coming out soon, but, um, it's, it's, it's what I love, you know? Well, it seems like right now is this, the stage, the point where you're launching your musical career, you're going all in. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. It is definitely, definitely. So that's the next place I'm going to have to, to dive in fully yes. and swim, swim in the beautiful musical ocean. Yeah. Well, you definitely have the talent for it. So if you make the choice and you put your energy into that, it'll happen. There's no doubt. It's just about you making the choice, I think is really what it th is the foundation of the success. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. But you definitely. also communicated to me once we talked about this, that you wanted to expand the concert experience and have teachings like the, the yoga teachings that you do. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I've started putting on events, um, in that are a combination of yoga nidra and sound healing. Um, and those have been really powerful and I'm really excited to keep continue with those and, and bring that experience to music festivals and, 
and um, to a bigger audience. So, Yoga Nidra. Yeah. Okay, so let's enlighten people about Yoga Nidra because I don't really know about Yoga Nidra. I know about yoga. I know a little bit about Yoga Nidra because I did some research prior to this episode. But Cappy, help us, enlighten us, tell us about Yoga Nidra. So Nidra means sleep and yoga means union. And um, Yoga Nidra is the union of sleep with awareness. So um, in Yoga Nidra, you're lying on your back and you want to be as comfortable as possible, you know, and you're guided through awareness into the different stages and through the different stages of sleep, but you remain aware. And so these are basically like every night when you go to sleep, we don't realize it most of the time, but we all enter in different phases of sleep. And so as you're starting to drift off, you go into what's known as the alpha brainwave state. And that's kind of um, where you're in between sleep and wake. And, you know, you might notice it sometimes like if you like get kind of startled awake when you're starting to go to sleep where, there's kind of maybe some stories that are dreamlike that are playing out in your mind or some different words or whatnot. And, and so you don't just instantly fall like into the deepest state of sleep. There's different stages that you go through. And so these stages are super powerful, different states of consciousness. And the ancient yogis discovered that, um, as you're going into these different states of consciousness, you can have access to your subconscious mind as well as your energy body. Um, and once you're in, when you can enter that with awareness, you can make profound healing changes, um, to your psyche and to your energy body in those states of consciousness. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. But is it because as you're drifting off into sleep, in a way you're having an out-of-body experience, like your consciousness itself is resting, so it's shifting out of the physical vehicle and then going into this intermediary state? Is that how you think yes. that we're able to do that? Yes, exactly. So, I mean, sleep is the only time where you are completely your consciousness is like completely separated from your body pretty much like you know when you're dreaming you're not feeling your physical body you're in the dream world you know where and the thing that really like hit me when I started studying it was that you know we all like there's like affirmations and intentions that we have that we um want to make a change in our lives. So you might say like, I want to quit smoking, you know, um, or whatever the change is, I want to stop being so angry or whatever the change is. And when you say that normally during your waking state, um, it only enters your conscious mind and the conscious mind is really controlled by the subconscious. 
And so that's why, you know, you could say over and over, you know, oh, I want to do this, I want to do this, but your actions keep showing something different because there's a deeper root to your behavior. And so when you enter into yoga nidra in, in, the, in the alpha and delta brainwave space, you can actually access that deeper layer of consciousness. And once you're there, you can take those same um, intentions and plant them like a seed. They call it a sankalpa. And um, that is like a seed that you plant in the soil of, of your, so to speak, of your subconscious mind. And in that soil, it can, it can grow and sprout and, and come to life. So you can make really deep and lasting changes to, to your life and to your behavior through that. So, so that was what really, really got me because, you know, when, once you're aware and you're in those states where you're actually accessing the subconscious mind, you can actually reprogram yourself in that state. Oh, absolutely. I mean, several prosperity teachers and other psychology teachers talk about how you can reprogram yourself by accessing your subconscious mind, but they use different techniques. It seems like these yoga nidra techniques have been around for far longer. How far back do they go? Where, where does the yoga nidra begin? Um, so it's, first uh, mentioned in the Upanishads and um, I have to look I have to look back at my um, just one second here to tell you exactly the date well we know the Upanishads are at least 15,000 years old and probably stretch back even farther yeah yeah so um, it goes way way back um and the roots of it, though, are where it started to become a teaching and a practice are in, in Tantra. Um, and Tantra was a movement that um, took, basically, instead of saying, like, we're going to find God through completely cutting ourselves off from this dense physical world, and just like transcending and, and um, you know, uh, like relinquish all desires, relinquish, um, kind of live like an aesthetic life as the means to, um, you know, get to higher states of consciousness and union with the divine. And, um, and so Tantra kind of looked at it as everything in this physical world that manifests is an expression of the divine. And so we can actually access the divine through um, our physical bodies and through this world. And so um, like the actual yoga asana poses is like, you know, um, connecting with your breath and connecting with your body in a way that brings you to the divine. And um, so yoga nidra is in that same tradition where, we're actually moving the awareness through the body in the, in the guided, um, it's like a guided meditation where, um, first we start off with different breathing exercises because the breath is a way to 
quiet the mind. And so once you connect with your breath, you can still the mind. And when you still the mind, you free up the prana. And the prana is the healing energy, the healing divine energy that flows in all our bodies. But sometimes it can be um, constricted and um, and not allowed to fully flow and go everywhere that it needs to go when your mind is constantly um, taking up so much so much energy. So um, we use. Um, different breathing exercises to help quiet the mind. And then we get into moving our awareness to different parts of the body and to different sensations. Um, and this is basically when you, awareness is so powerful. It's, it's incredible how powerful just being aware of something is like, without the monkey mind kind of chattering away, defining things. Exactly. Exactly. So, <laughs> so, so like, for example, when we say, you know, um, feel, feel energy flowing into your, um, right leg or, or become aware of your right leg and just bring your awareness there. And when you bring your awareness there, it sends a signal back to your mind that once you become aware of it, that it's okay for that part of the body to fully relax because we hold on to a lot of subconscious tension that until we, until the mind realizes, Oh wow, I'm, I'm, I'm holding a little bit there. It's something that happens on a subconscious level, but when you bring your awareness there, it actually allows it to fully release. And so it's called the body scan. You move your awareness through the different parts of the body and that allows the the body to fully, fully relax and let go. Okay. So this is what you're talking about here is specifically the yoga nidra. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when you have these experiences and it's during you said that dream state, are those uh, like what you talked about, the poses and doing those things, is that what puts you in that state? So, yeah. So basically you'd lie, you're li in yoga nidra, you're lying on your back and um, you might have a bolster or something under your knees, something under your head to make you really comfortable. Um, something even under your wrists and hands and you want to just get as comfortable as possible. And then, um, for example, there's something called the so hum breathing technique where, um, as you inhale, you imagine the energy flowing up from your, the bottom of your spine all the way up to the crown of your head. And then as you exhale, you feel the energy moving down your from the crown of your head all the way down to the bottom of your spine. And you continue that awareness and that breath going. And as you're um, doing that practice, as you inhale, you say the, mentally to yourself, internally, you say to yourself the sound of so. And then as 
you feel the energy moving down from the, and as you exhale and feel the energy moving down from the crown of your head to the, um, to your pelvis or the bottom of your spine, then you would say to yourself, um, and so you're working with your energy body and with moving, becoming aware of this energy through the breath. And as that happens, you, like, as we were talking about, you begin to quiet the mind and you begin to sink down into a deeper state of consciousness and a deeper state of relaxation. And then we would go into, um, an exercise where you feel where your, your, um, awareness is directed to different parts of your body. So, um, feel your feet heavy like lead sinking. Feel your calves heavy sinking into the floor. Feel your knees heavy sinking into the floor. So this is just, it wouldn't be that quick, right. and, you know, but it gets but you to focus on that. As you're, yeah, and as you're feeling that focus, you can literally feel like you can feel the change as you bring your awareness and and you invoke that heaviness and that feeling. You can feel those those muscles relax in in a different level, you know, and you're 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 accessing your energy body at that point. That's and so as as we go through the whole body, eventually you get to a point where you become so relaxed that you let go of the physical body and you enter into the energy body and into the, one of the stages of, of sleep. Um, uh, but fully conscious you're saying, but you remain aware and fully conscious. Exactly. So do you exactly. think any of these techniques, especially as it gets deeper, do you think they somehow activate the DMT that's in the human brain that, is sometimes released in the dream state. Could it be that it's definitely like, like a hack? Like <laughs> you know, in a way. De- definitely no. I mean, even even um, in the Upanishads, they say that there's there's basically like in the fourth um, deepest state of consciousness, there's kind of like um, a, a secret door, so to speak where you can access um, a state of consciousness for a certain amount of time that's like enlightenment, you know? So you become completely, um, you become completely the witness or the, the presence, which is um, so... To answer your question, yeah, I, I definitely <laughs> I think that um, that you can access states of consciousness that are where where DMT could be released and and a lot of different um, beneficial um, like serotonin is definitely released. They've studied that. Um, dopamine is definitely released. The, you know, there's been studies on on, on this. Um, and a lot of different, you know, beneficial brain chemicals are released as you go into these different states of consciousness. 
so but, um, so the fourth is the highest and you, the one is the entry point. We were just talking about that, the first state. So then what's two and three? So um, you have your physical body, which is, um, they call them different, co- Maya Kosh is a word for your different bodies, which means Maya Kosh means like house, different house, but it also means illusions so it's kind of a weird concept but um or weird to our minds but basically like essentially like all of these different bodies are ultimately part of an an illusion you know because it's all everything everything except the 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 pure source of which you are is everything else is in a state of change so everything that is in a state of change that is transitory is ultimately illusory, you know? So in that sense, it's an, in that sense, it's an illusion, although it actually has reality to it. But so, so there's the, the physical body. Then the next level is the energy body. Um, then the third level from there is what they call the wisdom body, which is the intuition and then the fourth level is what they call the, the bliss body. And at the bliss body, you're basically, there's a very thin, thin layer between you and source. You're basically almost, you're almost to source, you know, but it's, it's, there's still a bit of you that is, that is, you know, that is not completely in, into source. Um, so, there's like a kind of like thought exercise that um, I've been taught where it's, which is like, if you imagine yourself sitting on a beach somewhere and you're watching a boat um, float by in the ocean and you see the boat slowly come into view and then you slowly see it fade out of your view and disappear into the distance. And so can you see that if you can see the boat come, be, be present, there's a time before the boat, there's a time with the boat, and then after the boat, and see it leave, that then you cannot be the boat. If you can see it moving through. And so it's the same thing with yourself. If you imagine yourself your body, how you looked and how you were at a young age. And then you see that yourself in, you know, your teens and then your twenties and then up to now, wherever you are, all those different phases. If you can see that vehicle changing, then can you see how you cannot be the vehicle itself? So you are the observer. There's a part of you that is the witness that is the eternal witness is what they refer to it as. And so in yoga nidra, you can get to a stage where you can rest fully as the witness without the attachments to your name, your body, your this, your that, your all of these different things that we kind of create as our identity or as ourself or that we attach on to 
you can fully, when you fully, fully relax, you can fully let go of that. And it's like, um, it's kind of like imagining, you know, the blue sky, there's, you know, airplanes and balloons and hot weather balloons and rainbows and all these things that come into the sky. Um, but eventually what you actually are is not all those things that pass through the sky. You are the sky itself. And so when you get, thank you. Yeah. 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 So I, I think so too. So, um, cut me off if I'm talking too long. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm sorry. You're doing amazing. Um, no, I was okay. just, I was just listening to you sound. It's, it's just, it all sounds so amazing. Oh, great. Yeah. So, um, so, so yeah, basically when you get into that deepest state of letting go, you become like the sky again, instead of identifying with all these things that are moving through that are beautiful and amazing and all these different things that happen to, to us in our lives that are incredible. And you know, our, bo- our like your body is an amazing thing. It's not to reject the body or reject any of these things that you are, but to also be able to move into that space of, of recognizing that ultimately all these things that we identify aren't the eternal you. It's just something that is passing through that you can enjoy, but you don't have to. But when we start to hold on to these different things that are just passing through, then it creates, um, it creates suffering, you know, definitely. And, Tell me about your experiences though, Cappy, like you've been studying this now and now you're teaching it. So you've must've hit some of these states of consciousness. Tell me about your peak experiences with this. Um, I've actually had a lot of experiences of energy blocks being really, um, dissolved. Oh, okay. Energy blocks being dissolved. Yeah. So, um, there's depending on, you know, we have different experiences in our life where we might've gotten hurt or had some trauma that happens and, and then we hold on to that, you know, um, or you might hold on to that as a belief, like somebody could have just said to you in passing when you were a kid, Oh, you're no good. Or you, you know, you can't do that or whatever. And then this is just an example. And then instead of letting that thing just pass through and breeze on through, sometimes we hold on to that or there could be painful things that happen to us that instead of being able to move through, you hold on to it. And, um, so I've, I've experienced, um, energetically like, um, for example, having a lot of back pain in one part of my back and, um, and getting into the deep, deep state of relaxation and then putting the intention, I allow my body to make a healing, profound healing shift at this time. And then focusing my awareness at the point between the eyebrows um, and sending that intention there and 
actually feeling my whole body. I don't want to scare anybody like this. Don't necessarily, <laughs> but feeling, feeling my body actually shake like, and, um, it could happen, you know, I'm not saying that it won't or it will, but it wasn't a scary experience. It's, it, it was just like a feeling of something moving out or moving through, um, that needed to go and kind of like a realignment type feeling. And, um, it wasn't like immediately, like I didn't feel the, the back pain anymore. Like I, I got up in like that second, but like basically like the next day it was gone and I had had it for like a couple weeks type thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm sure there's all kinds of healing that happens when you get into the subconscious level and that shaking that you're talking about, that's also something that shows up in shamanism when you're going into deep shamanic states or incredibly deep meditative states, you have these seizure like symptoms, like your, your body's shaking because you're that removed from the physical, I believe. Uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I, I've, um, I think that there's a lot of different, um, ways to interpret all of this stuff, you know, and how I've, how I've heard it has been interpreted this is what I, you know, what my explanation that I gave was, you know, a moving of, of an energy blockage that has been released, but yeah, I'm sure perhaps that's what's happening in those shamanic states when they're healing people, they just do yeah. it in a completely different way. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think there's so many different ways to access these states of healing, you know, and, and it's just, it's a lot of it is about getting out of the way, which, which, and letting your body be able to do what it already does naturally, you know? and letting the energy in your body, like the natural intelligence of your body work the way that it needs to work, you know? Um, and so yoga nidra is one way to do that, you know? So the energy blocks were removed for you. And then what happened? Did decisions get more clear? Was there opportunities that arose? Like what do you see as some of the benefits of those energy blocks being removed? Well, I mean, I started, I started doing, before I taught my first um, class, I did my first event, you know, I started, I was practicing, I've been practicing a lot, you know? And so through that practice, eventually it led to these events manifesting, you know, um, just the right people meeting the right people at the exact right time you know, who are on the right vibration, meeting these sound healers who, um, who were maybe already thinking of doing similar type things. And, um, it just feels like, I guess once you, if you put, when you put these intentions and, and you, um, basically like, you know, when you put, put the intention in, through the third eye, through, um, the third eye chakra, that's called the command. That's like the command center. So you can actually through that command out into the universe, things that you want to occur um, or things that you're intending. And, and then, you know, 
magically or however you want to say it, like the right people just kind of come into your life, you know? And so I definitely thought, I've definitely seen it with meeting the right people and, and finding the right places to, to put these events on. And then the right people that need to be there to receive the healing showing up also, you know, and, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's powerful. And then just things of, as far as like feeling more peaceful on a day to day, like level, like the things that I would stress out about or anxietize about or, um, feel like I need to control and grasp and hold on to, they have, they just kind of start to feel a little less, um, like they have a control on me or they, they're less charged with so much, um, so much pulling so much energy from my consciousness, you know? It's keeping and, you in that witness state more permanently, it seems like. Yes, definitely. Definitely. And, um, yeah, and, and, Feeling, feeling just more balanced energy in, in my body and um, as I move through life, you know. So um, all those, all those type of things. Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty fascinating. I mean, that's why I wanted to start teaching it because immediately, like, I started feeling the results. Like right away, you know, when I started doing it. So and also, oh, go ahead. The, like I also think med before yoga nidra I got into yoga nidra through meditation um, and meditation is also very profound um, but I was looking for also a way that you know um, a lot of people have trouble sitting still in, in meditation and sitting there and they get pain in their body and they have trouble staying in that place. Whereas like lying down, a lot of people that you don't have the body as a constriction and you can just allow yourself to fully relax. And so you can enter into these deeper states of relaxation that it could take you years with a meditation practice to be able to achieve, but you can enter into it relatively quickly with a yoga nidra practice. Yeah, I'm actually one of those people. It's very, very hard for me to meditate because I do get pain in my body, in my back, in my legs. Laying down sounds a lot more appealing. And it seems like it would be in a general sense because you're not focused on keeping your body in any position. It's just laying flat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, it's, and with the guidedness of it, that helps you from the guidedness as well as the the sound healing aspect of it for me those are both tools to help to quiet the mind and help you to tune into instead of the thinking and doing state to the feeling and being state and so for example like you might be like your mind could be kind of stirring and you know you're thinking of all these things and even maybe me sometimes giving the yoga nidra can help. And of course your mind is going to wander. Sometimes there's no avoiding that, you know, it just is what it is. But, um, 
But like, let's say then you hear, you feel the vibration of the sound healing enter into your body. And that kind of just like brings you kind of out of that overthinking or you hearing the instruction to, you know, bring your awareness and feel um, your feet heavy or feel your legs or your knees or whatever it is. Those kind of things all bring you more into your body and into feeling instead of being in the monkey mind. And so I think that not that like, I think that they're a good complement to each other. And for people that have trouble sitting in meditation, I think yoga nidra offers another way to meditate and still reach those same deep states, you know? Um, and, and then you can, a lot of times like you can get up from a yoga nidra and your body is super relaxed and you're already in the super relaxed state. And then you could actually maybe sit and meditate for five minutes. Ah, you know? Yeah, because your body's tight. Or it's loosened up. It's in that that other world, you could say. Yeah, exactly. So it's not <laughs> to say that it's better or one cancels out the other, but I think they can complement each other. And then for different people, they can be good, you know, for, for different things, you know. So, so let me ask you this, Cappy. You've studied yoga nidra. So mm-hmm. are there like yoga nidra teachers throughout history that in those states, like in those higher uh, consciousness realms, have they interacted with beings or perhaps received some downloads and then brought back to the third dimension once they came back into their body? I... Do not. <laughs> I do not know too much about that, to be honest. Um, I know that um, Amrit Desai is um, who is who taught Kamini Desai. That's his daughter who um, created the system of yoga nidra that I study. Um, Amrit Desai was uh, an extremely um, skilled and powerful um kundalini master and um he definitely had a lot of wisdom that he shared with the world um that some of it i'm sure happened that he received some of it um through states of yoga nidra and um and meditation. You would um, think that something like that would happen, right? Like when you're in that higher consciousness, but you have your complete awareness and you're going up and you're going up. It seems like something like that could happen. Oh, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> you would imagine. Maybe. There's, I, uh, for me, like, I feel like there's like, I've felt different energies. Like for example, like, chanting mantras um for example if you're chanting like a mantra to shiva or a mantra to krishna and you're chanting in 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 that space of collectively chanting with a lot of people i think that you bring in that divine energy into the space and that divine energy can can create miracles and create healing in your life and um I definitely think that that you can, that we can, um, especially through sound vibration, bring in these kind of um, 
forms of consciousness or forms of divine energy. Um, and I wish I could give you more about, you know, what the, the, I'll have to look into that more, but you yeah, know. no, I mean, I, all of us could look into that more. I'm sure it's possible because I want to learn more about yoga Nidra. It seems like, it just seems like it has a lot of potency, like the oh, history, the technique. It seems like it's healed countless people over a very long time. Oh yeah, it has. And, and, um, you know, it's, it's something that's just coming back around full circle into, you know, the quote unquote mainstream or it's starting to get more, um, a lot of more people aware of it, but it's been practiced for, for thousands and thousands of years. And there's definitely very, very deep levels to it, you know? Um, and that's one thing that, that is really appealing to me about it as well is, is that you can continue to deepen your practice as you practice more and more and more, more things are revealed to you and more experiences and deeper experiences happen. And so even though, you know, um, you have a guide in yoga nidra, ultimately it's your practice and you are the one that as you are guided more and more, you're developing a deeper level of awareness and, um, a deeper move into these different states. Um, so how long have you been teaching it? I've only been teaching it for about six months now. Oh, that's amazing. So you're just like really just starting out with it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Very, very, very new to it. Yes. And then what was the yeah. thing that made you feel like you were confident enough and in a place to teach it? You know, I kind of just like, I kind of just did it, you know, to be honest with you. Like it, it was, it was more like a feeling of like, wow, this is so powerful. I have to share this, you know? And so I, I just started studying and working and practicing and, and, you know, um, and learning. And I did a course and completed the course. And, but it wasn't, it wasn't that I felt like, man, like, I'm so good at this. It's time for me to, to, to like show, show, like to, to do this. It was more kind of like, wow, this is so powerful that I just feel like I need to share this. Even if I'm not perfect yet at doing it, like I feel like people will benefit and need this healing type of thing, you know? Oh, definitely. And you only have to be a couple of steps ahead of someone to teach them. You don't have to know everything. You just have to be a little bit further along. And then that's how you help your fellow humans. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then you keep the best way to, to learn is by through teaching, you know? So as you keep teaching, like every time it's gotten better, you know? And every time the people that needed to be there for whatever phase it was at were there, you know? And, um, and so, you know, but, um, I, I first got into meditation, um, because I actually completely lost my voice, which is kind of an interesting thing. Yeah. Tell us um, about that. Cause that happened recently, right? As you were about to launch your musical career you lost your voice yeah yeah so i was just about to do um this big cruise soul shine cruise um 
and it was going to be a big break for me, you know, or that's how I felt like, man, this is my big break. I've been working on all this music. I'm finally going to get to do this thing and it's going to take my career to the next level. And so like about a month, month and a half before that, I, um, I ate some like cucumber or not cucumber, zucchini, uh, zucchini boats um that my girlfriend had had baked in the oven and they had like some super hot oil like inside and mixed with some like fake veggie meat and cheese and so on top and so basically like they were probably like at the core they were probably like 450 degrees or something like that you know so or maybe less i don't know but basically i bit into one and when i bit into it there's like super hot oil like soup that was underneath, you know, that I didn't realize until when I bit into it. And I, and actually my girlfriend told me like, you should probably wait like to eat those. They're pretty hot. And I was like, whatever. No, they're cool. <laughs> and then I ate it. And, and then it, so trying to cool my mouth down because it was burning, I kind of like sucked in. And then when I sucked in, I sucked in a bunch of those chunks of, I like breathe like, and then I sucked in a bunch of those chunks of, oil and meat and stuff and uh, fake meat and then I started coughing and when I coughed a bunch basically like I think that I, this is just my theory I'm not 100% sure but I think that the oil basically burned my, my vocal cords oh, because man. I, after I coughed a bunch I caught I you know it was, and it was scorching hot oil and so I coughed and then when I finished coughing my voice was just like super raspy and hoarse and like, and then it continued like that. But I was like, man, this is my big break. I got to keep practicing as so I was practicing every day, you know, and just practicing a punch when, when I probably should have been like resting my vocal cords to heal from whatever happened. But I was actually like pushing them doubly hard. And so then like, a, but then it wasn't getting better. And so then literally like two days before the performance, I went to see a, a vocal specialist and they put a camera down my throat and looked at my vocal cords. And there, she literally said, oh, this is heartbreaking when she saw the, the picture. And there is like a huge lump, um, which they call a polyp of like scar tissue essentially on my vocal cord. And she was like, you could go sing, you know, and do your thing if it's really that important. But keep in mind that like you might damage your vocal cords by doing that to a point where you could never sing again. So she was like, I would recommend that you don't perform. And so I was like, you know, I was just pretty crushed by that. I bet. Because to me, that was like, you know, obviously it's not life threatening, but when it's your dream to do something and you feel like you're on the precipice of your achieving your dream and then something so fundamental to that, as far as like, just being able to actually sing or actually speak the words of what you're trying to say is, is being, you know, at risk of never being able to work again and not being able to do that. So basically I had to be silent for like two weeks. They gave me a big dose of steroids and they're like, don't talk for like two weeks. And then for like the, the rest of the month, like speak like five minutes out of the hour you know, and then eventually you can ramp up to speaking more. 
And so, yeah, I got super depressed. So, like, after that time, I was just like, you know, what's happening with my life? Like, this thing that I thought that was going to work out is just, like, totally not working out. So and, you like, didn't you know, play that show, though, it sounds like. No, I didn't. Oh, I didn't. man. I, I stayed back because I didn't, you know. I, I, I didn't want to risk not being able to ever do oh, it again. Of course. I mean, you made the right choice, but that's still kind of a bummer. Yeah. So then, um, so during that time, somehow I found this, um, book called, um, mindfulness in plain English. And, um, I read, um, this one sentence that really changed the way I was looking at things. Um, it was said that, um, Ultimately, getting what you want won't make you any happier than you are right now. And um, that just seems super counterintuitive, especially living in the West and growing up in this kind of paradigm that we do, which is like all about like, oh, once you get this, you're going to be super happy. Like once once I get to college and get this job, man, I'm going to be so happy. Or once I get that car, I'm going to be so happy. Or like once... um. You know, once this next thing happens, then I'm going to be so happy. Once I achieve this, it's all about, you know, achieving things. When I get that A on that test, man, I'll be so happy, you know. And so that's kind of always how I felt. Like, oh, man, once I, you know, like I'm working toward this music thing. And, like, once I get, like, start playing big shows and stuff, that's going to make me so happy, you know. And it's not to say that, like, you shouldn't go after what you want in life. But like, you know, the reason that they give why ultimately it doesn't make you happy is because everything that you get in the outside material world in this existence, eventually you have to let go of it because everything is constantly changing and um, transforming and everything is transient in life, you know? So eventually we're going to have to let go of everything. So if you get something, and then you're so holding on to that, that you and your identity and all of your self-worth and all of your happiness is tied up into having that thing. You're going to actually be in suffering even when you have it because you're, you're worried about losing it. Right. There's that extra energy of attachment that's actually draining. It really just sucks your life force away. I think that's why they develop these techniques to get away from it because it really does stifle your existence. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that kind of changed my perspective on things. And I, and I, I never like, like reading the book of like the, the about Buddhist philosophy, it kind of like turned everything that I knew from Western society, like on it, it was kind of like the inverse of it almost where it was like, wow, like these people, like this philosophy isn't, isn't about like all the stuff we can accomplish in the world and like how great that will make us feel. It's actually about like, how can we like let go, like, and find peace, whether we have these things or not and find a deeper level of happiness and contentment that's not tied to having these things and controlling these things. And so that changed my philosophy on like my voice. I was like, cause I kept thinking like, man, this is so like, you know, 
I just want to have my voice back, man. Like if I could just have my voice back and be singing, like I would be so happy. And I'm just like so depressed about that. And you know, that was like the whole paradigm I was looking at things with. And so once that happened, I kind of looked at it more like, well, you know, even if I get this, you know, if I'm so tied to my performance and my, um, me being this great rapper, me being this great singer, if I'm so tied to that for my happiness, if like, let's say I have a bad show and people don't like it or whatever, like that could crush you or, you know, so basically instead of like looking so much towards the goal and like of what I wanted to get, I started getting into like, let me just be happy with where I am right now and find happiness within and get into the process of it, of actually healing my voice and like get into the process of where I am right now, instead of just thinking about wishing I was somewhere else. Absolutely. That absolutely makes sense. And eventually your voice did heal. The polyp did dissolve if I remember correctly, right? Yeah, it did. Yeah. Yeah. So eventually like I, I worked with a speech therapist a lot. Um, and, um, I did these drills blowing, um, cup, like cup bubbles where basically you get a straw and you blow bubbles into a cup and you make a humming sound as you do that. And, um, it puts back like a nice vibration that like massages your vocal cords. And I just got really into doing that. <laughs> I would be like driving around town, you know, like, like, uh, like blowing bubbles and, and, and it's really silly, but I just did it all the time, you know? And eventually through doing that, like it massaged. And, and also I, um, I read some research that glutathione, um, which is this antioxidant that the body naturally produces, but you can get, um, injections of it. Um, and that really helps your body to heal, uh, especially your vocal cords. So, and I've read some, um, uh, some papers online that were saying that people had used that to, to cure polyps. So I took, um, I did, went like three or four times and got like a thousand milligram glutathione injections. And then I did the, the blowing of the bubbles in the cups. And that cup. works. And I went in for surgery. They were still like, you know, there's like, yeah, well, I had the surgery day, but with COVID, I kept having to move it back. And then by the time I actually went into surgery, they were like, they were like, we, we, we went and looked in there. Like you, you basically like don't have anything. Like there was like a tiny little something there. And so they did like a little, um, steroid shot, um, when, when I was under, but basically they're like, you pretty much were, all, we didn't, we, they didn't have to cut anything out essentially, which would have been really more scary because you know anytime they, they're going with a knife on your vocal cord it's you know it's scary so so yeah um wow. and through, that, through that whole process i think that i learned how to you know breathe better and use my voice in a way that's i think i became a better singer and a better vocalist through that whole process of of, um, you know, damaging my vocal cords. I had to actually learn how to use my voice correctly and do all these things that, you know, so at the end of the day, like the thing that seemed like the worst thing ever and like, you know, such a big setback, I think, you know, I, from that, I found meditation, yoga nidra came from that now. And, and I also learned to, you know, be a better singer and, 
and be a better vocalist. So, um, so you're going to be out there fully recharged as you start to play dates around the yeah. country and even on the soul shine cruise, which you're booked for this year. Yep. Yep. And, uh, the big festival coming up with, with, um, I don't know if you've announced it yet, if I can say anything about it yet, but the revolution uh, festival with string cheese incidents. Yep, exactly. That's going to be incredible in Washington. Yes. You'll definitely find me there, but I want to play some music uh, for our audience that you made. Now this is prior to the throat issues. Yeah. And this is the track mind elevation. This is, actually a really good showcase i believe of your lyrical ability so i'm really excited that you're allowing us to play this so uh are you ready you're gonna listen to this with us cafe i'm ready i'm stoked yeah yeah here we go mind elevation here we go people Confusion and the complications. We need mind elevation. We need mind elevation. Mind. 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 We need mind. 
A track actually you put out a couple years ago, but it was during yeah. right before COVID. But you know, it's yeah. still fire, yeah. and the tracks yeah. that are coming now are just as good. And it's going to be your your career is so bright. You can just see it. The future is bright Thank for you, you bro. Man. Thank you. Well, well, with you in my corner, I mean, we can go a long way. So. I mean, I feel like there's going to be a lot of people in your corner once you get out there. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I mean, you, it's man. pretty obvious. Really why would you? Yeah, why would you not want to be in that corner? It's the corner <laughs> of unity, like you were saying in your song. It's the corner of bringing people together, like raising our yeah. frequency. Who wouldn't want to be on board with that? Oh, I guess the people that don't, right? Yeah, I think I think that everybody. <laughs> I think that everybody wants to be on board with that. Um, yeah. Uh, it'll, It'll take time. People will come around. <laughs> well, I'm honored that you're on the show so early in your career, and we'll be looking back at this episode five years, ten years from now, as your career blossoms into a full-fledged experience. You know, we'll, we can talk about how we were here, lucky enough to be here at at the beginning. Man, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Jake. Yeah, man. Um, well, I mean, we talked about so much. You enlightened us about Yoga Nidra. You told us about your life. We have listeners now, like I said, in 165 countries. There's <laughs> tens of thousands of people coming every week. Is there anything you want to leave our audience with? You, you know, you've had such an incredible life. You're an intuitively wise person spiritually wise it's encoded into you this is what i noticed about you the deep spirituality the deep understanding is encoded into you now i don't know if that's your dna i don't know if perhaps you had great grandfathers perhaps down the franty family tree there's all kinds of cool philosophical people i'm not sure or if it's something else that energetic part of you the angelic part of you i'm not really sure or the my God, the star seed part of you. There's so many different aspects it could be, but it seems like you have this knowledge. So, so tell, tell our audience something to leave us with. I guess I would just say that, you know, we're all so different. You know, there's so many different types of people and, um, you know, externally where we have every different, size and shape and color of person and different beliefs and stuff. But, um, one thing that we all share is, you know, we all feel pain. Um, we all feel sadness when we go through things. Um, if you, you know, um, stab somebody, we, we both believe, you know, we all bleed um, red blood, you know, the same way, you know, and we all need to eat food and, and, um, you know, we all basically, and we all feel happiness and joy and beauty. And, and so, um, to me, it's about, um, you know, trying to understand how somebody else might feel 
in their situation. And um, even if you don't fully understand, that's okay. Just making an effort to, to understand where people are coming from and, and listen to them and, and love them, you know, wherever they're at, you know, exactly where they're at yes. instead of, instead of trying to change people. Cause ultimately we can't change other people. We can just change ourselves, nice. but we can, we can listen to other people and make an effort to understand them. And I think once, when we do that, I think that starts to build a bridge between hearts. Yes. And, when you respect people yeah. and you love people, I mean, they're way more apt to listen to your perspective or at least try to understand where, he, where you're at when they're, where they're at. It's, re- it's really interesting. It seems fundamental, yeah. but you know, people forget that. And I think that, you know, like if you took away, I'm not trying to point the finger on at any side of the other, but if you took away, <laughs> If you took away Fox News, if you took away Democrats, if you took away Republicans, if you took away all all these different media outlets and stuff that are constantly feeding us all this stuff about who we are and what we feel and what we believe and putting us in these different sides, if you took all that away and like, you notice if you don't talk politics with somebody a lot of times, like you guys will like get along you know, and you, you'll, you'll have like similar understandings. I, I try to avoid it like the plague as much as possible, to be honest. I just, I, I just, I, it's an earth for me. It's like an earth based experience. It's like, it's earth. Like I, I'm trying to get beyond that. Right. Like it's like, it's something I, I, politics just really turned me off. Yeah. So it's like, I, I feel like, you know, um, it's just important to, to, empathize with people and realize that, you know, we all, we all feel these same things, fear, joy, happiness, anger, sadness, and we all have these things. And like, you don't know exactly what somebody else has gone through to be able to judge them. Or even if you don't understand them, you've never been in their shoes. So just try to, I guess, like I'm working on like being more open and understanding and listening more and loving more. Yes, that's a fantastic message to leave people with. Just love more and respect each other. Look, that's how we build the bridges, like Kathy's saying. That's how we create a place where we all feel protected and respected, like everywhere on the earth. Like we have to build these bridges. And Cappy, I just want to point out to people that you are going to be teaching Yoga Nidra soon and if people check your instagram you'll be updating that and if you want to take a class with kathy and learn more about this that will be available soon if you're listening to this episode in the future then perhaps Uh it's already happening so check his instagram definitely yeah i've just done a deeper course of study um so i took a little time off from teaching to deepen my understanding and my teaching but i'll be back at it soon so at C-A-P-P-Y-F-R-A-N-T-I is my um, Instagram. And then, you know, you can click my all my links thing there. And um, if I, when I am doing events, they'll, they'll, be, um, they'll be there. Awesome. Um, yeah. Well, dude, thank yeah. you so much for being here, Kathy. It's been an incredible interview. I really appreciate you sharing everything that you did. It's very generous of you to give us so much of your time. And I deeply appreciate it. 
I deeply appreciate you, Jake. I love your, your energy and your positivity and, and, um, you know, just, just how much you've shown belief in me and pushed me to, to keep going with what I'm doing. So wow. it's a, you're an amazing person. I really Thank appreciate you. It. Wow. Thank you, yeah. Kathy. Well, yeah. everyone, we've had an incredible episode. Check out Kathy's music. Eventually, he'll be teaching Yoga Nidra. But if you're just interested in Yoga Nidra, take the deep dive. And his music's on Spotify. And he'll be updating that with more tracks soon. So just check out all of these things. He's going to be on the Soul Shine Cruise this year, hosted by his father, Michael Fronte, and several other bands. And he'll also be at the Re-Evolution Festival in Darrington, Washington, this August, if you're in the Northwest. So go check him out there. And again, Kathy, thank you so much for being here, my friend. We'll definitely have you thank back you. on very thank soon. Kathy, please hold through the outro music. Okay. And everyone, we'll see you next week. Midnight on Earth. <laughs>